the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Shut that mouth. Nah, let's light it up. Need some hot phones tonight. 303-696-1971. 303-696-1971. Randy Corcoran, day two, sitting in for Stefan Tubbs. Beautiful, beautiful day outside. 81 degrees in Aurora. 84 in hell. Otherwise known as Denver. And the forecast is for Harley Davidson's everywhere you turn around. So glad to be with you once again. Uh, if you were here last night uh, when we were talking, it was the Arapaho Tea Party. I've been away for a couple of months, and because I wound up doing the show, I didn't get to go lead the meeting. But I did drive over afterwards and got a very wonderful surprise. And I want to tell you about that in a little bit. But before we do, very special guest on the phone. As our own Peter Boyles likes to say, my good friend John Eastman, former professor and dean at Chapman University, founding director of the Center for Constitutional Jurisprudence and an attorney for the Colorado State GOP. John joins us now. John, welcome. Very much, Randy. It's a pleasure to be on. Good to have you, sir. All right. You are in California? I am. All yes, right. Indeed. Are you, uh, you guys out of the rain, or is it uh, full? Yeah, it never sun? rains in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I just had to bring you on, because last week was the Colorado State GOP State Assembly, a special call uh, to reelect or to elect a new vice chair and to um, work on bylaws ahead of our annual State Central Committee meeting, which comes up on September 30th. And your name became very, very prominent. And so I just want you to have an idea about how you're described here in some of the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media that uh, is so prevalent in these blue-run states. This is from an article in the Colorado Sun. When I saw the Colorado GOP lawsuit to end unaffiliated participation in their primary, I immediately flipped to the back page to see if co-conspirator 2 signed on as an attorney. Sure enough, John Eastman's signature block is the first one to appear, and it goes downhill from there. Any surprise? Well, you know, uh, I guess they don't believe in the Constitution, because what we're seeking to vindicate is the right of political associations uh, to their freedom of association, to decide who are their members, who's going to help them choose their nominees, the spokesman for the party. And the idea that people that refuse to join the party nevertheless get to have a say in who the party's nominees are going to be, it's a direct uh, affront to the Constitution. You'll be glad to know that uh, there's very little, you know, rhetorical excess in articles like this such as apparently after Eastman failed to destroy American democracy, he set his sights a little lower and found a willing partner. The Colorado GOP has gone full traitor. (laughs) So the guy needs to read the First Amendment. The freedom of speech, the freedom of association are central to our political system and to our democracy. If you don't get to if if the party doesn't get to associate with one another to decide who their nominees are going to be, then then you don't have freedom of speech. You don't have freedom of association. And 
your your elections are therefore determined by people that are not members of the political organization. So, I, you know, I, I don't know what the left has against the First Amendment, but they've been got increasingly vocal in trying to prevent people from associating to for, further their, their goals. And isn't it funny that the United States Supreme Court precedent that really establishes the fact that a private and organ, private organization like the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, the Green Party, the Libertarian Party, have a right to choose how they choose their own leaders. Lawsuit was filed by the Democrat Party of California. Well, that's right. All of the political parties back in those days understood the importance of freedom of speech and freedom of political association. But uh, things have gotten so partisan now, I guess, you know, if you're if you're for free speech, then the other side must be against it or whatever, whatever the the excuse is. It's really, really rather extraordinary. The comment about uh, our current our newly elected state chair, Dave Williams, says that he has set the party on a path opposite any individual who believes in the American form of government. This guy used to be a Republican. He's an attorney. So it is laughable just how loose they will play now with facts and law and history. Well, you know, I guess that's all they've got left to go on is is over-the-top rhetoric. But fact of the matter is the Constitution is quite clear here. And uh, and and the political part, and it's not like you know any. I mean, Colorado's got a very easy. If you if you want to participate in in a political party's primary, you can join that political party. What you can't do is have an impact on that political party and who their nominees are going to be if you refuse to to join the party uh, because for somehow you you uh, you find it anathema. Well. You know, that's all well and good. You're free to do that, but you're not free to then determine who that party nominates for its own candidates. And you can see the results since the passage of Prop 108 in Colorado. The state has dragged itself further and further to the left near the precipice. Taxes, disastrous roads, homelessness, trash everywhere you turn around. Our state is just spiraling downward. Uh, but you'll be glad to know, John, because I know you're always looking out for me, that I actually m- got mention in this piece. Aided by his allies, such as the lawsuit's co-counsel and Republican National Committee member Randy Corporan, um, that's all O's, Mario, no A on the end there, Randy Corporan, Williams plans to subvert the will of voters and destroy the electoral process in Colorado. Uh, it, it's so over the top. Yeah, well, this is this is uh, this is what you're dealing with on the left. I mean, they 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 can't brook any dissent, and they're not you're not allowed to have a political organization that disagrees with them apparently. But this is uh, this is what they're trying to do across the country is prevent prevent people from engaging in political speech um, in, in in case they think the direction of the government needs to be changed. That's the essence of self government. And, you know, their, their claim that, you know, this is somehow trying to destroy self-government, it's exactly the opposite. Uh, but, uh, but you know, uh, uh, unless the media is going to call these people on their lies, they keep, they keep making them and, and get increasingly bold about them. The evidence becomes more and more apparent at all of the irregularities in the 2020 election. I think the left, in spite of this sort of temporary power position that they're in realizes that the writing is on the wall they either have to seal the deal or it's all going to come crashing down over the next couple of years 
And that's why I think they have to just jack up the rhetoric. They take advantage of people who uh, don't pay close attention to the details, uh, listen to so much of the mainstream mania, the headlines and the, you know, the name calling, all of those kinds of things, and just hope like heck that they can gin up enthusiasm, you know, on Election Day and stop any effort to try and push back from this uh, over dominant government control that we're all living under right now. No, I, I, I think that's right. And this is why the founders recognize uh, the importance of freedom of association, uh, why the Supreme Court has frequently recognized the importance of political parties and their ability to, to, to do the thing that is most central to the association's purpose, which is to choose who their nominees are going to be for office um, and, uh, and, uh, and what message that party is going to take to the voters to try and persuade them to put that party rather than the other party into, into controlling governmental positions. It's gotten so extreme that um, a former Colorado State Republican chair, guy who appears on this station, um, had on my shows, uh, we've you know known each other for a long, long time, Dick Wadhams referred to Dave Williams as Comrade Williams. And that, you know that well. You can <laughs> you can you can distort. I mean, <laughs> calling the thing the opposite of what it is is a is a frequent tactic. But uh, uh, and it often it often masks what do you, what do you call it uh, transference. Uh, it, it actually masks what the author of the article is more like right rightly described as rather than the target of his venom. We're talking with Professor John Eastman, uh, co-counsel on the lawsuit to overturn Proposition 108, the proposition in 2016 that uh, voters did pass and opened the primaries for unaffiliateds to play in, in either political party's primary. And we've seen the results year after year, election after election. I did need to get you on the air, though, John, to uh, call you out publicly because apparently you're holding out on me. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 it's not in this article, and I ran out of time to look any further, but I, these questions came up at the Central Committee meeting, and uh, uh, it was talked about at the Tea Party meeting last night. Apparently, you and I each received $50,000 for this lawsuit, and we plan to bill the party a quarter of a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Well, you should let my wife know about that, because she'd like to know where it is, too. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, you know, we, we both just decided to jump in because it's important. A big election coming up next year. We know it's going to take some time. These things do typically move pretty quickly, but uh, we can't expect it to move as fast as the first lawsuit that we filed moved because we don't have an election right around the corner. So it made a lot of sense. And go ahead and explain to folks what happened in the first lawsuit uh, that uh, that was unsuccessful in trying to stop this unconstitutional Prop 108. Well, uh, the, the judge in the case held that the, the political association rights that we were uh, seeking to vindicate belonged to the party, not individual party members. Even though the party had voted, uh, passed a resolution unanimously authorizing the lawsuit by the party, its members, you know, either the party or its members or both. Uh, but the judge found that we did not have the, the individual members did not have standing and so dismissed the case on standing grounds without reaching the merits uh, in all but one one subsection of the complaint. And so what we're doing now is say, OK, well, we, you say the party is the only one that has standing. We'll bring the suit on behalf of the party. And that's what we've now done. 
Yeah, and you know, I I don't. You've spent a lot more time in federal court than I have. Uh, you've been practicing longer. Uh, I thought the judge was terrific. It was the hearing was handled very very well, but he was extremely sarcastic about the effort of these party members to come and try and uh, shine some light on this unconstitutional proposition. And uh, and that just kind of surprised me. I, I forget exactly what he called us, but, you know, it's like shining or, you know, knights swooping in out of the it was some analogy that I don't remember. But why would an experienced judge um, personalize it like that? That just seems so unnecessary. Well, I, I thought so, too. And, you know, in the Supreme Court precedent on this, it doesn't say only the parties uh, have standing. I mean, it's very clear that that it says you know the political the right to political association belongs to the association and its members. Supreme Court cases that we relied on are full of that kind of language. But the judge disagreed, and so you know we're back now. Say okay, you say only the party has standing. Uh, we've now got the case on behalf of the party. So let's get to the merits. Does this violate their rights to freedom of speech, freedom of association? We believe it does. We believe existing Supreme Court precedent makes that clear. As you point out, the uh, the California Democrat Party versus Jones case, which, by the way, I was involved with. Um, so, the, you know, this is this is not my first rodeo, as they say, on, on these issues. Sure. Well, you get a little bit of insight into this uh, heated opinion piece in the Colorado Sun because about the author anyway, because. Here's what he says next. It's also another reason why Colorado should seriously consider changing its electoral system. I have advocated for an open primary followed by a ranked choice general election akin to Alaska's for a couple of years. My God, do people not realize what ranked choice voting brings to the table? Yeah, for anybody that, that doesn't mark their ballot all the way down, it actually disenfranchises them. There's litigation pending in a number of jurisdictions challenging ranked choice, uh, but it, but it also creates a level of confusion that that ends up depriving many voters of their right to vote. And then you know somebody who's been practicing law a while makes this determination about the complaint. Having read through the entire complaint, I see very little merit to it. Poorly reasoned and full of conspiratorial speculation that Eastman and his cohort could not prove in more than sixty lawsuits during twenty twenty. It is ripe to fall before the court. I, I you know I read that in the article. I don't know what he's talking about. We make no reference. <laughs> to the 2020 election whatsoever in, in, in our complaint. I, it, it, it is one of the more bizarre parts of this article. Yeah. Well, you and I are political terrorists intent on destroying a quarter millennium of democratic rule, and uh, we must be stopped at every turn. So by, 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 by democratic rule, I think he means capital D, party rule. Yes, without a doubt. Rather than small d, uh, will of the voters rule. <laughs> Talking with Professor John Eastman, we're coming up against the break, John, but um, I know you've got so much being thrown at you right now. Any updates on the efforts to take your license in California? Well, uh, they, 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 they are still on their own witnesses. They've gone two weeks of trial so far, and, uh, and the judge is, uh, is uh, scheduled another couple of rounds of trial beginning August 22nd. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe another two to three weeks of trial. Uh, it's very expensive. This is what I'm, an example of what I call um, uh, asymmetric lawfare, because you know people bring these complaints 
Uh, and then the whole investigative and prosecutorial apparatus of the state, which means taxpayers, is brought to bear against you. And then you're having to defend it on your own nickel. And uh, and, you know, there and I'm, I'm not the only one. There are a lot of lawyers that are dealing with the same thing. There are legislators like up in Alaska uh, who are dealing with the same kind of lawfare stuff that's going on. And it really is uh, it, it really is a distortion, creating a distortion in the political process. One of the perhaps this is the wrong characterization of it, but a bright side to the latest um the latest assault, the latest charges against President Trump is that if, in fact, that case gets to trial, he should be allowed full discovery on the basis for his belief that the 2020 election has been or was stolen. And um, and it's been very, very difficult to get evidence in front of a court for a long, long time. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think that's true. And uh, uh, look, um, we've known for a long time that uh, that there was an, an immense amount of evidence. Uh, the, the article you were reading from a little bit ago said, uh, you know, that was presented to 65 different courts and none of them ruled. Well, most of those court decisions were dismissed on jurisdictional grounds, like the people that brought them didn't have standing. Uh, one case said, you can't bring the suit before the election because we don't know they're actually going to violate the law until they actually do. And then, and then when they did violate the law, they said, you can't you're, wait until you lose this and, and, <laughs> and bring this suit. So, yeah. you know, so those are the kind of, of weird jurisdictional uh, dismissals that we got in those cases. Very few of them were decided on the merits. Well, John, I've made a habit uh, over the last couple of years on the radio just uh, putting out the challenge to, you know, um, bloggers and newspaper writers like this or anybody with a microphone or a camera that if you want to want to pick a state, pick an issue um, and and focus on those one or two things so we can really explore them that I'll I'll debate anybody anytime, anywhere. I know you feel the exact same way. Yep. And, you know, the volume because of the, the high profile I've had, a lot of people send me information because uh, uh, they know that I'm working on the issue. And it's just uh, stunning the 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 level of detail and on the election fraud that I have, um, uh, you know, whether whether cheating on the voter rolls or the ballot harvesting schemes or or the state officials altering altering the the uh, the, the deadlines or the or the signature verification rules or eliminating them altogether. Um, in a number of these instances, uh, courts have subsequently held that what was done was was illegal, just as we said at the time. But those those cases decided after the fact don't don't have an impact because it's already too late and they never get any media coverage either so people continue to insist on this line well you know you lost every case it's just not true i mean what the 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 biggest victim here has been the truth well i continue to believe that we inch closer to it every single day and that we will get to that point um are you as optimistic uh, you know, I'd like to be, and and on, on some days I am. On other other days, I find it hard to be optimistic. Understandable. Well, we're way past time. Really appreciate you checking in. I know you've got a very busy night, but from one political terrorist to another, I hope you have just a great rest of your day. All right, thanks, Randy. All Take right. care. God bless, Professor John Eastman. All right, we are late on the break. Our phone number three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. What do you think? When you hear that kind of rhetoric, uh, so unsupported, unsubstantiated, so hostile, so 
unwilling or disinterested in actually exploring the other side of the issue. And what do you think about Colorado's open primary? We're going to actually um, check in with Colorado State Chairman Dave Williams at 5 o'clock. I was just checking to see what time it was at 5 o'clock. And um, and we'll get his take on some of the rhetoric that's being tossed around and his new role as comrade Dave Williams. All that, anything on your mind, got some great audio for you. We're going to hear from Speaker Kevin McCarthy this hour as well. Uh, not live, it's recorded, but it's pretty hot. Uh, McCarthy moving slowly, but impressing me in many, many ways. So you stay right there. I'm Randy Corcoran on the Stephan Tub Show, 710 KNUS. Lou, I don't know why you're pointing at me. Am I supposed to do something? We're back, Stephan Tub Show. So good to be working with uh, with good buddy Lou, who got his feet wet on Wake Up with Randy Corcoran on Saturdays, and uh, always a pleasure. I'm Randy Corcoran in for Stephan Tubbs. I do Saturdays from 5 to 8 p.m., and uh, we always like to keep it hot. The phone number here is 303-696-1971, 303-696-1971. And I promised at the top of the hour, or I shared with you that I wanted to take just a second and talk about something very special that happened last night. I was doing uh, filling in here for Stephan, so um, couldn't go and lead the meeting that I typically lead, and I've been away for a couple of months. And um, But I did fly over there after the show, and uh, Monday night was, or Monday was my birthday, and apparently the word got out, and so I walked in, and I don't know, there were probably 80, maybe 85 people. There was a, it was a packed room. And it was going hot and heavy. Uh, one of the first things I said to the group when I got to the podium is, man, you guys got rowdy while I've been gone. But uh, just really passionate conversation and debate going around. But I walked in and everybody stood up and clapped. It was like a, a standing ovation. And I, for a moment, I just felt, um, I don't know, it, it just made me feel special. Everybody there um, has been very supportive, knows what I have gone through over the last couple months with the loss of my wife. And then they sang happy birthday. And I walked out of there with a cake. I didn't stay very long, um, but I walked out of there with a cake and books on grief and some more condolence cards, which were all very special. And the one thing that was really cool that I, I don't know, I just think it's worth sharing because especially for people who are experiencing loss or are freshly into a deep loss is that, you know, typically the worst part of my day is going home. And, um, after both after my birthday with my family on Monday, and then this sort of surprise, a uh, few minutes with my friends at the Arapaho tea party. Uh, when I got home, I still felt happy and felt pretty good. Not that there wasn't a tremendous loss there, but it does seem like time uh, makes everything a little bit more bearable. And I got to tell you, as long as I'm on this topic, uh, until Monday morning at a courthouse, no less, in talking with someone who's uh, an an older guy, older than I am, I turned 64 on Monday, who lost his wife uh, about, let's see, this is August... So about nine months ago, 10 months ago, um, every other person has told me it never gets better. It never gets better. And I have refused to believe that. Uh, I just refuse to live my life that way or um, 
have my kids believing that that's the way life is going to be, you know, every single day moving forward. And uh, the gentleman that I ran into, I, you know, God puts people in your path at just the right times. He said it does. It does get better. And uh, after Monday night and Tuesday night of this week, I, I just have to agree. And then, you know, there's the roller coaster. It pops back back down up and down up and down anyway we had john eastman on and um we put the fork in the lie that uh, somehow the the republican party which is without much in the way of funds right now wrote fifty thousand dollar checks to us or that's what we expected or wanted uh, we both wanted to get this very important issue back into the court system and I know all of the deep breathers and the, the sires and the worriers all believe this is just going to be the end because, you know, these unaffiliateds, you're never going to get them back into the Republican Party. And so if they can't participate in the primary, they're not going to vote. And there are states who have gotten themselves out of open primaries that are doing better, that are pushing back, that are trending a different direction. In Colorado, all you've got to do is look at the the arrows, you know, where we've been going really since Jared Polis and other wealthy Democrats started funneling hundreds of millions of dollars into the Colorado blueprint. Very, very effective. And just only recently do we have people in leadership who are willing to talk about how we begin to undo that. How we begin to get ahead of the Democrat strategies. Are there ways to combat the seemingly endless flows of money from Democrat billionaires? Obviously, we need better billionaires in the state. But I was primarily going through that article just to demonstrate the outrageous rhetoric. It's just incredible. The the bomb throwing and the end of democracy. And I, I didn't share this with John Eastman, but uh, the closing paragraph of this particular article, Eastman, Williams and their ilk, including Corporan, um, that's all O's, Mario, must be opposed at every turn. They cannot be allowed to win a single inch on our democracy. Don't you love that? Former Republican, our democracy wonder where his political alliances are these days. Our futures, this is the closer, our futures all depend on it. Your future all depends on it. Guy wants to take us into rank choice voting. It's This is the Democrat wet dream. Excuse the analogy, but it's exactly what they're pushing for in states where they have the momentum to try and bring it. And of course, Colorado is one of the targets. Uh, look at the performance in Colorado over the last uh, few election cycles. Look at the money that has been poured in here to for, you know, small races, local state house races, local district attorney races. They know if they get their claws in deep enough that uh, it's very hard to claw back. And all you got to do is look around and see the results. Look at California and see how quickly we're trying to chase them right down the sewer for quality of life. A state that used to be at the top of, you know, people wanting to come here and move here and enjoy our beauty and our open spaces and our gorgeous mountains. 
and so many other things about Colorado now leaving as property taxes get ready to skyrocket. Just name one thing, one thing that has gotten better under Democrat control. And then while you're at it, name two or three or four things that have gotten better or worked better or been improved utilizing the strategies of prior Republican leadership. And um, if you can lay those out for me, then we can have that conversation. 303-696-1971. Right now, though, we've talked ourselves up to the break. At 439, I'm Randy Corcoran in for Stephan Tubbs on 710-KNUS. Mm-hmm. Stephan Tubbs is out. Randy Corcoran in. 303-696-1971 is the number. 303-696-1971. And... Uh, you know, the primary reason I was reading that article and uh, sharing some of that with John Eastman was just the rhetoric. It's just over the top. There's so many states in the country that have closed primaries, Delaware, Kansas, Maine, Florida, Wyoming just closed their primary again. Kentucky, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, not all, you know, red bastions. Uh, plenty of uh, Democrat-controlled states in the mix. Oregon, for goodness sake. Pennsylvania, Wyoming, Maryland. Uh, the list is long. But the point is, the most important point, the one that nobody wants to talk about, forget about the policy and, oh, the wringing of hands about the likely outcome and, you know, we'll, we'll never regain another seat in Colorado. I mean, we're not much closer to, uh, there's no sign that that's happening anyway. So how does it hurt to try something new? But setting that aside, it's unconstitutional. Why does nobody ever talk about the fact that an unconstitutional law is no law? You can sell me all your policy beliefs, uh, hopefully once in a while have a little proof to back them up, and if it's unconstitutional, it needs to go. We've gotten so far away from having that be the guiding principle, the, the starting point. Is this the proper role of government? Is then what the government wants to do a proper purpose or a proper action of government under the Constitution? The Constitution is not there to limit what you can do. It's to allow you to limit what the government can do to you, for you, about you. And when the United States Supreme Court declares that a private organization has the right to determine how it picks its leaders, that seems just a little bit important to me. If you don't like the constitutional precedent, then you work for, you know, 40 plus years like we did on Roe v. Wade and get it overturned. And then let the states work it out. Let society work it out. Let policies work it out. Colorado, you're not disenfranchising anyone because all a person has to do if they want to vote in a Republican primary is register as a Republican. You can do it the week before the election, the day before the election, the morning of the election, the afternoon of the election, right up to 6.59.59 p.m. the day of the election. How is that disenfranchising anybody? And what in the world are you afraid of? Look at the results that have been produced so far. Anyway, do not forget the Dennis Prager Cigar Night. Man, it's coming up fast. August the 30th. What is today? The 9th. So that's just three weeks away. 
Three weeks from tonight, Dennis Prager back in town. I've been to every single one of these. This one's number three. And it's just such great conversation. I've sat at different tables with different groups, smoking a cigar, maybe having a drink. And the conversations are fantastic. And there's so much of that missing now, right? You've got people shouting at you. People don't want to talk with you. They don't want to interact or go back and forth. And I just never find that to be the case at these 710 KNUS events because you people do want to interact, do want to be heard, do want to try and persuade, are willing to be persuaded. And that's really fantastic. The View House in Centennial, it's such a great place. If you buy a ticket, you get hors d'oeuvres, a carving station, your first drink, and premium, and I do mean premium, cigars. Seating's limited over there. It's a special event. Get your tickets and complete details at 710KNUS.com. All that part's great. I didn't even mention Dennis Prager. You know how awesome it is to be around that man. So I mentioned at the start of the show that Kevin McCarthy is really impressing me, and I I think he's showed some tremendous tenacity in fighting his way through the challenges to his speakership. He, uh, you know, I've been around him. I've talked with him. It, It's kind of awkward. I don't know. There's there's something that is just different about the way he communicates. Maybe it's just too smooth. I mean, the guy is, is obviously super smart. But he laid out the case for impeachment. Oh, no, no, no. Not of Donald Trump again. You know, number four after he gets reelected, but of creepy, sleepy showers with daughter Joe Biden. And I know Mitch McConnell came out and said, I cautioned against impeachments being used for political purposes during the Trump impeachments, and it just shouldn't happen. Isn't that amazing? I don't recall Mitch McConnell being very vocal about these repeated indictments, especially the latest D.C. indictment. The free speech indictment, the you can't express your opinion, you can't fight for an election indictment. Mums the word. Now, maybe McConnell was having one of his frozen moments. I don't know. But now, when more and more criminality is being exposed in the Biden crime family, Mitch McConnell comes out and says, not using the country to impeach. You know, stay away. I advise we're going to Republicans Trump, you know. Um, yeah. I think Kevin McCarthy lays out the case and does it very, very well. The Biden family created 20 shell companies while he was vice president, that he received 16 of 17 payments from Romania while he was vice president. The family paid all the way down. Well, if you have all these questions and you have an attorney general who says one thing and IRS um, whistleblowers coming forth saying something else, you want to know who's lying and what's the information. I would think the Biden family would want to know that. When you move to an impeachment inquiry, it empowers Congress, Republicans and Democrats, within their subpoena to be able to get the answers they need. Because we have found time and again, we haven't seen anything like this since the Nixon administration using their government to shut down any time we had a question. I would think the Biden family would want to clear their name. This isn't about Hunter Biden. This is about paying to play for the Biden family because the money goes to nine 
different members through shell companies, much like the informant said. So we will continue to follow the information wherever it takes us and provide it to the American public. The difference here is we don't do it for political purposes. We follow the Constitution. That's exactly what was played out during the Nixon administration in Congress. They voted to have an impeachment inquiry. And I, I raised it on this show not long ago that because the actions of the Biden administration withholding information, that that would rise to the level where we'd need impeachment inquiry to give the strength of the Congress to get the information that we need to give to the American public and follow through on our constitutional authority. All that right, is exactly that- what we're doing, and that's exactly what we'll continue to do. Not bad. Not bad, Speaker McCarthy. I was not particularly enamored of your ascension to the speakership. I was impressed by the way you wrote it out, some of the deals you made, and I am particularly impressed with the way that you have kept your word so far. But what are we waiting for? How much more do you need? An impeachment inquiry is what will give Congress the subpoena power, the ability to, I'm sure, I'm guessing, but I'm confident that more whistleblowers, more witnesses will be willing to come out into the light of day. And I'm sure they've got the names of so many from the whistleblowers who have already reported the millions upon millions of dollars that have flowed into the 20 shell corporations of the Biden crime family. Why do you need 20 shell corporations that produce nothing if you're not trying to move money around? But what are we waiting for? Man, it is August already, the year before election season. This Congress is barreling through its first year, and there have been investigations. There's been great information. You don't hear about it in the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media. You don't hear about it except maybe the lightest of details once in a blue moon here, for instance, on CBS People are too busy talking about Trump and how dangerous he is and how we have to get rid of him and how, you know, he should be charged criminally by Jack Smith for talking about elections. Does does anybody does anybody remember these people? You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee and you can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's a real what I'm thing. scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice president? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. And he was put in the office because the Russians interfered. Russia interfered with our election, attacked our democracy for the sole purpose of artificially placing someone at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They were successful. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president or elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. Unless it is president elect. As a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians that may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump 
is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. What? Usurpers. Barbara Lee. Shara, Sharon, Sharon Lee Jackson, I think was her name, the one just before her. That was the 2016 presidential election. Remember when it was cool to stand up in Congress and challenge the Electoral College votes? Wasn't so very long ago. But now, John Eastman, a usurper, an insurrectionist. Donald Trump, a usurper, an insurrectionist. Anybody who dared to stand up, an insurrectionist. I literally could have left the room. There's 23 minutes and 44 seconds of Democrats denying the elections. We'll play some more of it. And we'll be joined by Colorado State GOP Chair Dave Williams when we return for Hour 2 of the Stephan Tubbs Show. I hope you'll stay right there on 710-KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 